0: Talking
1: Talkin
0: Talkin Tunes Hey, you're listening to Talking Tunes by Girls Are Awesome. My name is Vakle and I'm a music producer and the host of this podcast. I invite artists in to talk about the songwriting and production of one of their songs. And we focus on featuring women and gender minorities.
2: Girls are awesome Girls are
0: Girls Are Awesome is a community brand and impact agency Which creates content, experiences, products and partnerships towards gender equality In this episode I'm talking with Farau about her song Marry Me Farau is a music producer based in Berlin And we're recording the podcast online this time Which is new for everyone involved But I hope you enjoy anyway Yay! Hello, pharaoh, is that uh, rightly pronounced?
3: Yeah, or you can say it however you want, really. In Norwegian I say pharaoh or in English pharaoh.
0: Okay, and I said in Danish (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: pharaoh. Exactly. Okay. It's just the Norwegian spelling of an Egyptian pharaoh, so Mm -hmm. I'm fine with you saying it however you like. Cool. Well, it's nice to have you here. Uh, I'm
0: trying this new thing of uh, introducing myself by name and pronouns. So I would say, hey, I'm Pia. Uh, I'm a music producer and I go by she, her. Can you Mm -hmm. do the same for you?
3: Yes, my name is Kari. I'm also a music producer and I also go by she, her. Damn. It's the first time I've done that.
0: Me too. Also the first time on the, the podcast. I don't know. I woke up today and I was like, I don't know why I don't do it. So now (laughs) it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, So we're going to talk about one of your songs today. Can you just uh, tell me which song and why you chose it?
3: I chose a previous single called Marry Me. It was the main single from my previous album, Pure O, released in 2018. And I chose it because it's my favorite song that I've made. I think that's a good reason. I think it's the best one from that album. And I still listen to it and I'm super proud of it. You know, most, not most, but some songs that you write after a few years, you go back and listen to them and you're like, maybe I would have done that differently. Or, you know, you've developed quite a bit. And I have developed quite a bit since recording the song, but I still listen to it and think it's really good and we're, we're very happy with the recording and arrangement and yeah, so that's why I chose that one. I think that's a good reason.
0: Uh, can you tell me what, the, like, what the what the theme is in the song,
3: like lyrically? Yeah, lyrically. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't normally like to go into detail about my lyrics, but it's about it's a love song. Uh, it's about trying to make someone stick around, even though you know that they don't really want to. Yes, <laughs> that's fair. I think we'll leave it there. That's okay. You use the but language. it's not. It's not about. Um, it's not about me. I normally write my songs from other people's perspective. So when I sing this song, it's not from my perspective. That's pretty cool. And I really like to do that because it makes me try. I try to imagine someone else's point of view. And it's very helpful in a conflict or in any situation. Really, try just just to imagine what this is like for someone else, and then sing the song from their point of view. Yeah, that's kind. Of, I think I should try that maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a good exercise.
0: Cool. Um, do you want to tell me a bit about your studio and your the set? You can tell me about the setup and your studio you're working in now, if you want.
3: Yeah, my studio is in Berlin. It's called Street Pulse Studios, also the name of my record label, Street Pulse. And this is a, I would say, mostly synthesizer studio. We can't do live drums or anything because it's uh, it's in a normal apartment, <laughs> so we have to be quite quiet. That works fine. We don't have a problem with that, really. Um, but it's mostly synthesizers. And yeah, that's, that was, that's been my thing for a while.
0: Do you work a lot on hardware synthesizers?
3: Yeah, I used to work more on hardware synthesizers. I have quite a lot of different ones now. My collection is growing bigger and bigger. But in the last maybe two years... I started I started a side project called Ultraflex. And this project, we, I had to go to Iceland and record there and I couldn't really bring any hardware. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of forced into, and we had a week to prepare 30 minutes of music from scratch. So I was pretty much forced into making music with soft synths, which up until that point, I was a little bit, was not very experienced with it, and I kind of was a little bit judgmental <laughs> towards soft synths. But <laughs> having to make thirty minutes of music from scratch in seven days, only using soft synths, opened my eyes to that world. And now I really love soft synths, and that it's kind of my main interest at the moment. Yeah, trying to explore that world and. You know, there are a lot of advantages. It is
0: a bit easier. Compared
3: to, <laughs> compared to hardware. Yeah. And now I mostly write, kind of only write ideas using SoftSense. Um, and then after an idea has had some time to breathe and I've developed it to where I want it to be, I then replace it with the hardware yeah synthesizer if i want to
0: so you still sometimes like like the sound of the hardware yeah i mean i
3: don't think i have a single track that i've ever produced or written that doesn't have a mix of soft and hardware yeah
0: cool (laughs) (laughs) uh do you remember what you used on uh, marry me
3: (laughs) yeah i do um the the synth that is featured the most on "Marry Me" is the Korg Delta. That was my second ever synthesizer that I got. My first one was this Soviet synth called Electronica EM twenty five. Okay, I don't know it. <laughs> it was very. I still ha- still have it, and it's it's very cool, but it's it has a very specific harsh sound. It's not very versatile at all. <laughs> it only does one thing, and it does it well. But yeah, I got the Korg Delta as more of like uh, more of a versatile synthesizer, even though that is also quite limited in its uh, parameters. Uh, so yeah, I use that one the most.
0: Is that the one that's like the arpeggiator?
3: That's the Juno. Well, it depends on which arpeggio you're referring to.
0: But there's several.
3: But the... There's one that comes in towards the end that goes like That's the Juno 60. But the, the the main riff of the song that thing that's the chord delta. Ah, uh-huh. nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and mixed in with that. In that riff is another Soviet synth that I got later, called the Quintet, made by the Formanta factory. Mm-hmm. It has like it has three sounds only, uh, so you can't really do a lot with it. But those three sounds are just amazing, um, and yeah, we use that and mixed it in with the Delta. Um, like from the middle of the song towards the end that riff is then a combination of those two mm,
0: to kind of give it more energy Or yeah. yeah
3: exactly and then for the bass I don't actually remember I don't remember what we used for the bass that's fair <laughs> it has been like three years yeah. So I think if I were to I think I think it was the Moog sub fatty A classic. Yeah. um, But I'm not sure. I don't remember. (laughs) That's okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Since you can't record drums in the, the studio, how do you usually go about
3: making drums? For this whole album, Puro, that Marry Me is on, I just booked another studio in Berlin, and the drummer that played on the whole album, my favorite drummer in the world, Magnus, Maggi from Iceland. Yeah. He came to Berlin and we recorded drums for all of the songs in like two days, maybe three, three days in a different studio. And then we used that. By that point, the songs weren't done. So we were kind of just jamming. He just played a bunch of stuff. And then I went back to my studio along with uh, Odna, who produced that album with me. And then we went through all of the recordings and kind of made our own arrangements using his improvisations. That's cool. Yeah. But that was the last album that I did that has real drums on it. Because now I'm more about drum machines. Okay. So for Greta's stuff that you guys talked about in the previous episode of this podcast. Yes. (laughs) Um, we only use drum machines or
0: drum samples so do do you have any hardware drum machines or mostly
3: Uh, I have the RX-7 and the drum tracks uh, but I don't really I don't use them as much as I should because I have all of the samples from those and a bunch of other amazing vintage drum machines and I also like to use a combination of different I, I normally choose one as kind of like a bass so this song will have mostly lindrum for example mm-hmm. but then I normally maybe I don't like the crash or the cowbell or whatever in that kit so I find that from something else and then it's so much easier to just use samples Yeah. <laughs> so yeah I've kind of just realized that I don't need my studio I just, I, I just need a computer yeah. <laughs>
0: it's so yeah. easy to be producer
3: yeah i guess i mean you have to know how to use the the stuff in your computer to make it good but it is easier it is definitely easier so um it's faster That's yeah the thing. yeah that's right it kind of breaks the flow a little bit when you have to go into hardware too early in the process yeah and then you get stuck on some technical issue or whatever maybe the midi doesn't Transfer into the, ugh, all of these things that can go wrong. Yes. <laughs> so. Maybe that's
0: why producers back in the day had like
3: technicians. Exactly. To
0: deal with all the shit. And then yes.
3: you can just like. So the producer would just sit there yes. and be like, I want to try this. And then someone else runs around. Just makes yeah. sure that everything works. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when developing a song, I totally like to just be pretty fast <laughs> with ideas uh, if I get stuck on a technical issue I get, it's, it can be very frustrating and then you just end up taking a break and then you kind of lost where you were Yeah, do you, I have this uh, yeah. it's
0: a, a fear of losing flow that I'm still kind yeah. of dealing with uh, do you have the same
3: yeah I mean I think other people maybe have more than me I've talked to some friends about this and also Odne, the guy that mixed Greta stuff and he also did a little bit of a additional production mm-hmm. on it. For him, he that's even worse for him because it takes longer to get back into it. But I think I can relatively fast get back into a flow. But it's still better if it was never broken in the first yeah.
0: place. Yeah, I kind of, I fear eating sometimes because I'm like, And that's so stupid because you just run out of energy.
3: (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm not. No, I don't go that far. I actually kind of really value those breaks because then when you come back, you have kind of fresh ears in a way.
0: Uh, You talked about drum samples earlier. Do you have a favorite place to get drum
3: sounds from or. I have this uh, folder that I got from a good friend, Jarkko Eno Kalevi, Finnish uh, artist, who I also I play in his live band. And he, like five years ago, he gave me this folder of, I don't know, a hundred different vintage drum machines samples. Yeah, and that's still the pretty much the only thing I use because there's so much good stuff in there. And I'm still not kind of I'm still not done exploring everything in this folder. <laughs> <laughs> so this folder is my, my gold mine. That's nice.
0: Yeah. So good friends.
3: And within it I have some favorites, of course. And I, I tend to go towards like Lindrum, RX 7, um uh, what else? 707 yeah I think those would be the ones that I've used the most there's this Casio uh, one that's called RE no I don't remember the 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 letters anyway (laughs) (laughs) it's not an exam (laughs) yeah no no but I try and I want to kind of know it just for myself but yeah and then recently I've been thinking that maybe I should explore some of these other 95, uh, kits that I have, yeah. you know, just to see what's there. <laughs> and that's been really fun as well. Uh, yeah. About
0: But, uh, on the other hand, about sticking to kind of the same machines or like the same sounds also give you a very clear sound. Like it's, for me, it's very easy to hear like great yeah. test music and your music. Like it's very easy to hear. Like you have the A nice sound that sounds like you.
3: I know. Yeah. And I, yeah, within the last two, three years, I've realized that FM synths are just totally my thing. (laughs) And digital synthesizers, that's become a big, big part of my sound. Yeah. My own music and also the music that I produce. And when it comes to digital synthesizers, the soft synth version is identical <laughs> because, you know, the hardware is just a digital sample anyway, yeah. which makes it even more pointless to kind of buy a very expensive old synth when you can just download the or buy the soft synth version. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's also a big part of why I've gone towards soft synths lately my transition into the fm universe um but for greta's stuff and for the first album by my other project Ultraflex that we released in october Mm -hmm. it's all kind of been centered around native instruments fm8 soft synth
0: i actually have that one but i just i never use it
3: No, I had it for a long time. I just didn't like the way it looks. Yeah, maybe that's it. And it's pretty much only, I mean, it's not only presets, but it's very hard to program it. FM synths are very difficult to program. (laughs) So I have ended up using mostly presets, but the presets are so good. There are a lot of horrible ones.
0: Yeah, I think that's what scared Um, me.
3: I think I found one
0: sound that I really, really liked. Uh but yeah. then I switched computer and for some reason I just I couldn't find the the license or something so I would like have to buy it again. Yeah okay. and then I skipped it. Yeah. But maybe I should give it another <laughs> chance.
3: <laughs> if you do, if you spend some time with it, you'll you might recognize some of the sounds from Greta's music. Yeah. And I like that, so. Yeah. <laughs> and then just a few months ago I fell in love with the Korg M1. It's kind of Korg's version of the DX7 mm-hmm. digital synthesizer, and it's so much fun. Also, only presets. I think I'm kind of... I don't need to program my own sounds anymore. No. I've kind of gotten over that. Like, I, I think I used to be too proud to use presets, thinking it was lazy. Yeah, it is like a thing. Thinking I, <laughs> Yeah, thinking I have to make every single element from scratch and then when you realize you don't have to do that you can just use something that someone else made that's awesome and yeah that that was a big kind of it made everything easier yeah it kind (laughs) of goes back to flow I guess yeah so I would also recommend checking out the Korg M1 soft synths I mean the hardware synth I haven't even seen one ever in my life Uh, I would love to have one but I can't be bothered spending the money on that Since I have this autism version. Yeah, I understand. Especially nowadays when (laughs) the income of musicians have gone down. Yeah, just a tiny bit. (laughs) A tiny bit, yeah. Yeah, we all broke out here.
0: Yep. So uh, lately I've been struggling kind of with um, getting out of the chord progression thing. So I just kind of, I want to lay down chords and then do a, like a vocal melody. But in, um, in Marry Me, it's, you have like the arpeggiator or you have like melodies in the production. Do you have any tips for getting away from the chords? <laughs> that was a very specific problem. I,
3: I know what you mean. It hasn't been a big problem for me, but I can imagine Hmm, how... How would I do that?
0: So, for example, if you have a you have a session with someone, or someone brings you their song, and it's mm-hmm. uh, a melody, it's the words are there, like the lyrics are there, and they play it on a guitar. Yeah. How do you tra- like How do you put it into your
3: uh, production? I always start with the beat. Yeah, and then okay, not always. I ninety five percent of the time I start with the beat and kind of decide from the very beginning what kind of vibe the song should have based on the beat. Mm. For me, at least, I feel like that's the biggest um, deciding factor of what kind of song you're making. And then when I I work a lot on getting the beat to sound very good from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then when you have that as the bass you don't end up like filling it out as much as when you start with the chord progression does that make sense I because the beat already is there as a framework and then you can like put things in into the framework and you don't at least i don't feel the need to put a bunch of stuff in there because the beat is there already as 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 a support i don't know if this makes sense makes sense in my head sure
0: um, I guess it makes sense for me as well. I just still feel, when do you record the vocals or just the demo?
3: Last, but I would normally have demo vocals to work with yeah. from quite early on. It depends, with Greta, she always brings the the demo vocals like done. And then we start working on the arrangement using her demo vocals. Okay. And then we re-record the vocals at the end. Yeah. But going back to what you were saying about the chords, when I have the beat ready, I then work on the bass line. And especially for the kind of music I've been making recently, when you have a beat and you have a really good bass line to go with it, it doesn't necessarily need that much more. I mean, I think it's easier not to get stuck in the chord progression problem. Yeah. (laughs) If you just make if you just make something else than chords, true. <laughs> yeah, just don't just do something just fuck, else. <laughs> fuck chords. <laughs> I guess yeah. I
0: just feel like uh, because the kind of sessions I have mostly these days are in the studio, uh, writing the song with the songwriter and or with a artist, but like often yeah. writing in the studio or they just bring an acoustic version. So to record the demo vocals, we kind of need to put down some chords. I feel that makes sense. So I often end up in the having chords, a beat, and a vocal, and then I'm stuck. But maybe Yeah. But I guess you could record to just a bass and and a beat. I think I'll try that.
3: You could always also switch it out using arpeggios instead of just like a um, static chord. Yeah. Or just put a rhythmic element to the chord progression. Just to break it up, so you don't always have this blanket. Yeah, that's of- the problem. Like the blanket. It's exactly the blanket. <laughs> the blanket. Yeah. You don't. You don't want the no, blanket. No.
0: Really don't.
3: As much as much space as possible is good. So, um, arpeggios or just the uh, LFO on the filter. That could be a rhythmic um, some rhythmic pattern to go with the beat. That's two ways to begin True. to get away from the the blanket. Yeah. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> or maybe it doesn't need the, the blanket at all if you have the baseline because especially when if you already established the the structure the chord progression in like maybe the opening sequence and then the bass takes over and plays just the bass the your brain still remembers the chord progression and it'll fill it out yeah you need to like trigger The listener's brain into filling out the the spaces themselves true does that make sense it absolutely does yeah um you don't really need to tell them give them all of the information no
0: no i guess also because everyone's used to listening to music and hearing the same chord progressions and yeah yeah So we've been talking a lot about bass now, and you maybe use the sub fatty on uh, "Marry Me," <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but um, do you have any favorite uh, bass, maybe software
3: or? Um, my favorite, and that's maybe the hardware synthesizer that I use the most nowadays, is the Yamaha CS fifteen.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I use that a lot for bass. I probably used it on like at least a third of Greta's songs or something like that, Uh, maybe more. And uh, yeah, that's my go-to bass synth Um, for soft synths and bass. (laughs) Or I I mean, I have a a real DX7, and I have the soft synth version, so I don't know which category to put it in. But I have. For a long time been using the same bass um preset <laughs> on like ten different songs that I made recently. And it's the E bass one on the DX7. It's the bass from Take On Me. Cool. Yeah. It works on it works on every song. That's amazing. I was kind of stuck. I I used it too much. Like on song 15, the 15th song where I used the same bass sound. I was like I don't know if I can do this anymore. <laughs> I don't know if I can get away with it. So recently I've been trying to <laughs> not use that sound. <laughs> but it's the best bass sound in the world. Yeah,
0: it is kind of funny because, you know, if you play electric guitar or uh, bass guitar, it is the same sound, kind of.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're not being very inventive with your effects, then yeah. True. It's definitely more similar from song to song than if you use softs and presets. It's just funny
0: that... As a producer, you sometimes get like the the feeling that you have to change everything all the time. Kind of mm-hmm. sounded like that was what you were feeling,
3: yeah. but then I was also just for a while thinking, why can i why can't I use the same bass sound for ten songs? Yeah, in a row? exactly. because it is the best bass sound, and it does sound great. So, why do I need to invent something new every time? I just can use something that I already know works really well. And the rest of the song sounds different. And it totally made, especially for the Ultraflex album. I don't remember right now how many songs use that sound, but it's quite a lot of them. And they still sound very different. You know, it also depends on how you mix it. Maybe you mix in another way sound along with it. Yeah. For example. Yeah. But I've been getting into using bass sounds without sustain just really short sounds yeah (laughs) it makes it so much more uh rhythmical is that rhythmical yeah i think it's a word makes it more (laughs) yeah
0: rhythmic maybe i
3: don't like the blanket you know you can get the blanket feeling with the bass as well
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah a lot of people do like use the 808 and just do long notes yeah yeah, it's super yeah, nice never, that I'm, I'm showing it with really my hands, it. and this is a podcast.
3: It <laughs> <laughs> makes sense with words. I've never really been a huge fan of the 808. I mean, I'm not. Um, I understand its significance. Uh, it's just been used so much, so I was always a little bit bored of those. Yeah, it's not like take
0: the
2: sounds. take on me
3: base. <laughs> 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 no, <that's, laughs> exactly but i did make a song recently uh only using the 808 which was kind of a challenge for me um oh like only using
0: the 808
3: i uh, no for the ah, beat okay. and yeah 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 yeah
0: i thought you were sampling everything from the <laughs> no
3: no no. i mean beat now yeah sure um
0: i always ask um at the end if you have any advice for maybe now that you're a producer uh, for someone who wants to start producing.
3: Yes, don't think that you have to buy a bunch of expensive things to be good at producing music. You can just get some free soft tints, download some free samples. It all all comes down to your imagination. And yeah, don't hide behind expensive gear. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: good advice. Yeah. So I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast and it was really nice to talk to you. Thanks for having me! Yay! So, everyone listening, here's a full playthrough of "Marry Me" by Pharaoh.